Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to the first episode of 2024. How exciting. Now, without further ado, that's it for the intro. Let's get straight into this conversation, which I'm really thrilled to share with you. Yo, welcome back to the podcast, dear listeners. Today, I have Shannon Beer with me to discuss compassion-based coaching, but also body image um, strategies for fat loss and how body image might come into play when we are trying to lose body fat and a variety of other topics because honestly I was trying to put together some questions that follow a uh, particular thread but I was also going through your content Shannon and it was also interesting that I, that I ended up writing a bunch of questions that might not be totally related to each other so we'll just see how it goes but I think it will be really thought-provoking and thank you so much for being here Shannon. Yeah thank you so much for having me on. But the very first question I want to ask you as I always do with my new guests that my audience might not know is who are you? What do you do? And why are you so awesome at it? <laughs> um, great questions. So I am Shannon Beer. I am officially I'm a registered nutritionist and certified compassionate mind training facilitator. And what I do is I help individuals who are feeling dissatisfied with how they look, who maybe have got caught up in some unhelpful patterns of dieting where they're feeling very restricted and then they end up binging, as well as individuals who are tightly controlling their body composition and finding that it's just having a bit of a negative impact in their life. They feel very rigid in their behaviors. They feel very anxious about going off track. So I help those individuals move towards something that I call flourishing health, which is this perspective where we're treating our bodies with respect we're looking after ourselves we're striving for our performance goals in the gym whatever that looks like whilst maintaining our social life and focusing on what really matters to us which for the majority of us is being present connecting with people engaging in our life not being held back by a restrictive regime so I integrate body image work, compassion work into my coaching, as well as the nutrition guidance to help clients to really achieve what most people are looking for, which is just to feel happy and comfortable in their bodies so that they've got headspace for other things in life. Thank you for the introduction. My first question is a bit of a, I don't know if it's a devil's advocate question, but uh, I think it's a question that uh, I've been pondering to ask you for a while now, and it is, do you think that pursuing physique goals specifically 
always necessarily leads to developing an unhealthy relationship with your body image, perhaps some disordered eating behaviors and other behaviors that basically detract from your life instead of adding value to it? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I don't think that physique goals are inherently harmful. However, what we do find is that usually by pursuing these goals, what we are doing is placing increased importance on how we look because we start monitoring our bodies to look for changes, right? We want to see signs of progress. We know that in order to achieve these goals, that does require a degree of precision with our nutrition, where sometimes tracking that can help to take our body composition to more, I guess, more extreme ends, right? So we've got that ability. But what we find for many people is that it can sometimes due to the amount of importance that we're placing on it, and sometimes the positive validation that we get from other people when they do start to see our bodies changing, that can leads to us placing our worth in how we look and that's when it becomes problematic so not necessarily having a physique goal but when how you feel about yourself is dependent on looking a certain way that's when it can become a problem so what I advocate for is for people to work on their own self-confidence which is detached from how they look so that they're in a better position if they do want to pursue these physique goals they can do that or what a lot of people find is that you know they're happy to let their body composition fall where it may when they're focused on treating their bodies well and living their lives the way that they want to because if we place too much worth in how we look Sometimes our life can then revolve around maintaining that body composition, which can Mm -hmm. get in the way of more meaningful things, you know, experiences with friends, those things that we kind of touched upon. So it's not the case that having a physique goal is always a bad thing. And I will say all of my clients want that for themselves, right? They're coming to me because they don't feel happy in their body. So they want to look different. But sometimes focusing on that first can actually backfire So what we find as well is that with a lot of fat loss approaches where it is just, here's your macros, go and do this. The reason that people struggle with their eating a lot of the time is because of their emotional regulation. So sometimes that goal, again, by pursuing that, we're prolonging doing the work that's actually going to help us to get to the result in the long run, if that makes sense. So I would say that Mm -hmm. if, I think most people will know intuitively as well if the way that they're pursuing their goals is serving them or not you know are you able to move towards this physique goal you can still have space for other things in life you know you're if if you're not seeing signs of progress it doesn't affect how you feel about yourself as a person or are you falling into this cycle where so much of your attention is towards trying to look a certain way and you feel bad about yourself that you're not making the progress that you desire and you're going you know into these cycles of restricting overeating binging that's a sign that that goal maybe is not serving you at this moment in time That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for explaining that. And actually, since you mentioned fat loss, something that comes up for me while we're having this conversation is that there's um, a message that's uh, doing the rounds about uh, having to love your body at whatever the size. And 
you also made a post about it back in October about how that can lead some people to feel guilty for wanting to change their body, whether that's by losing body fat or gaining more muscle. And instead, because of this message that seems to suggest that we must accept the way that we are and that if we want to look different, then we're not loving and appreciating our body. Can you speak on that a little bit and explain your perspective? Yeah, I think this is such an important discussion to be having because we do see a lot of messaging about how we should love ourselves, how we should appreciate ourselves. And whilst that messaging comes you know, from a good place, we've got good intentions, a lot of the time I'll have clients who feel really guilty that they don't love their bodies and that they do want to look different and they'll say things like you know I know that I should appreciate myself and that's so hard to do for so many people and I think what we're really getting at here is the point of the message is that it's actually okay not to love your body not loving your body doesn't prevent you from not appreciating yourself. So this is the difference where we're trying to detach how we feel about ourselves from how we feel about our bodies. Because the whole point is that your body is just one part of you. You know, it's not the whole of you. You are a whole person living a whole life through your body. Your body is not the determinant of your worth. So what this means is that it's perfectly okay not to like every part of your body. And in fact, that's pretty normal. Most people don't love every aspect of their appearance. And the point is that that doesn't have to influence how you feel about yourself, nor does it have to influence how you live your life. So what we're actually working on when we're working on our body image is detaching our worth from how we look and living our life the way that we want to be living if we were this perfectly confident person like what would that actually look like why is it that you want to feel better in your body what do you think would be different about your life once you look a certain way and can we start taking steps towards that life now because the problem with placing all of your happiness and your worth on looking a certain way is that bodies inevitably change. We're all going to age. You know, sometimes our life changes. Like you might be able to maintain a particular exercise and nutrition regime now. What happens when you have kids and you have other responsibilities? Like life happens and our bodies change. And that is the natural way that things progress. So if you're all of your worth and happiness is contingent upon probably being pretty muscular and pretty lean, then that's a very slippery foundation for something as important as your self-worth. So that's kind of what we're talking about here it's not that you have to love your body because you can say that okay let's take someone who is dissatisfied with their stomach that seems to be a very common like problem area for a lot of people you can appreciate the fact that your stomach helps you to digest your food and essentially keeps you alive even though you don't like how it looks both can exist at the same time so that's what we're helping people to see is that the way that you feel in your body right now is so valid. It's so normal not to like how you look due to just how much focus and pressure the media places on having this like hyper muscular and lean physique. And most people don't have that body because it's 
may be more suited for a particular lifestyle and a lot of people don't fit that lifestyle again because of different responsibilities and so on so what we're trying to help people to see is that you can be dissatisfied with how you look and still appreciate the fact that your body the purpose of your body is to keep you alive right so there are so many things that we can learn to appreciate about our bodies and the things that they do for us and we can hold that dissatisfaction and that's okay because it doesn't have to stop you from living your life nor does it have to affect the way that you treat your body and that I think is where people often fall short is that they don't like how they look and they don't treat their bodies well because of that So if you're dissatisfied with your body fat levels, what do you do? You start ignoring your hunger. You're essentially treating your body with disrespect, ignoring its needs, which then backfires because eventually we give in and so on. And then that cycle begins. So when we don't like how we look, we don't treat ourselves well. So this whole idea of body acceptance and body appreciation is actually about not always loving how you look, but deciding I'm going to treat my body with respect, regardless of how I feel about its appearance. Now, this might sound like a really weird analogy, but that's what came up for me as I was listening to you. So let me know if this is a somewhat right interpretation of what you said. So what I heard you say is that we want to separate ourselves from our body because we live our life through our body. So that made me think. So essentially, your body is like clothes in that you need you can appreciate that your clothes cover you so that people don't arrest you uh, because it's illegal to walk around naked and that they make you feel warm but you don't necessarily need to like all of your clothes like there can be that jumper where you're like you know this is really warm that's why i'm not throwing it away but man the color pattern is just awful and uh, or or not if not awful at least you know it's it's i don't know it's not my favorite color but I'm going to keep it anyway because it just does the job really well. Um, And similarly, just because you don't like the color of that jumper, it doesn't mean that you're going to leave it to uh, get dirty or collect dust. You're still going to wash it after a while. You're not just going to wear this dirty and smelly jumper forever. And I don't know if, uh, if, if anybody has ever put it to you that way or what you think of what I've just said, basically. Yeah, I think that's a pretty helpful analogy. And it's exactly the point. Like sometimes we wear clothes just because they're functional, you know, and they do the job. And regardless of how we feel about our clothes, we ideally would treat them well. Like we do still take care of them. We still wash them and so on. And if we don't, and if we don't take care of our clothes and they start to get stained, they start to get holes in them we don't expect ourselves to feel our best when we're wearing them right because we know that we haven't treated them well and yet we do that with our bodies we don't treat ourselves well and we expect to feel good or we demand from our bodies that they need to make us feel good despite not treating them well so I think that that could be a really helpful analogy and as you sort of say you know, you will still wear these clothes and get on with your life. Like you'll probably have different outfits for different occasions, right? Sometimes I might put more effort in and I'll want to wear particular clothes to go to an event and to to make me feel a certain way. And other times I'll also just wear 
basic stuff for the function so exactly that like your body is a similar thing where you'll probably have moments where you feel better you'll probably have moments where you don't feel so great you'll also have moments where you're not even thinking about your body so really having this perspective of my body is actually just this vehicle that I get to live my life through and it's one aspect of me but it's not all of me I think that's like an important perspective to try to to maintain and to put a bow on the analogy then um oh, I, I lost my train of thought actually <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say anymore um I was still, still thinking about oh yes that's circling back to my original question and uh, talking about the guilt that people may feel about wanting to change their body you also wouldn't feel guilty because you want to buy different clothes so you wouldn't feel guilty about wanting to change your appearance Yeah, I don't think it's ever helpful to feel guilty for feeling a certain way, right? Because that desire to change your appearance is usually rooted in, I don't feel good enough the way that I currently am. I feel unhappy. I don't like my body, right? And those we then add to that by feeling guilty about the fact that we do desire because we know there's more to life than looking a certain way and it's vain and it's superficial. That's not helpful either because the reality is, currently you aren't happy in your body and that is okay like to feel that way is okay that doesn't mean that rigid dieting is the solution but it means that your feelings are valid and it's okay to not want that for yourself because again if we get a little bit like look a little bit closer about that desire to change what really is it it's a desire to feel better it's a desire coming from a place of wanting more for yourself and that's okay Again, we can validate that and we can tap into that and think about, okay, if that's what I want, I don't like how I'm currently feeling and I want more for myself, what does that actually look like? Because it probably doesn't look like restricting my mind always going to what I'm eating, constantly worrying what other people think of me, comparing my body to others. That's actually not helpful either. So what is it that I really need and what is going to help me to feel better in my body and what is going to help me to live the life that I want to live? And it's that perspective, again, the, these questions that we really need to reflect on to find out, okay, what is going to be best for me and how can I achieve that? And if we're berating ourselves and feeling guilty that we don't love our bodies the way that we, we're supposed to, that just becomes another expectation and another means to criticize ourselves with. That's true. And that's also a very compassionate way of looking at it, Shannon, which brings me to the next topic that I wanted to talk to you about, which is your the foundation of your what well, if not the foundation, you define your coaching as compassion based. And interestingly, I was listening to another podcast interview that you recorded recently. I believe it was the JPS Health and Fitness podcast, where you shared that the term compassion used to, in your own words, make you throw up in your mouth, which I think a lot of people can actually relate to, including a younger version of me. So I'm wondering, how did you go from that reaction of throwing up in your own mouth to actually defining your own coaching method as compassion-based? Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
the when I first came across compassion I didn't really know what it was so I had all these assumptions in my mind like oh that's just something that sounds really soft and fluffy it doesn't sound like it's a tangible and practical thing to do it just sounds like a way to make excuses or to let yourself go that was when I didn't know what compassion was and then as my coaching became more focused on helping people to improve their body image that they could actually feel confident in their body I could not get away from the research that was consistently pointing to self-compassion as a very important component of developing a positive body image and it became apparent as well that self-compassion was key to healthy eating in that when we feel like we've broken a food rule we've eaten something bad and we've blown it all we tend to criticize ourselves for that. And that self-criticism fuels self-sabotage. And that's how we get stuck in these very unhelpful cycles. So self-compassion kept coming up as a necessary component of behavior change and a necessary foundation for not only a positive body image, but also that self-worth. So not the kind of contingent self-esteem where you only feel good about yourself if everything in your life is going well, but the kind of self-worth that is stable, even when you're not having a good time. So what I learned is that compassion isn't this soft and fluffy way to make excuses for yourself. It's actually a more effective way to take responsibility for yourself because there's so many things in our lives that are not our fault. You know, the fact that we struggle with... Um, not feeling good in our bodies. That's not our fault. However, we're the only ones who can take responsibility for that. We can learn new ways of thinking about ourselves. We can learn how to treat ourselves properly and carry out those actions. And no one can do that for us. And that's kind of what that compassion is, is understanding that, okay, a lot of the reasons that I struggle, a lot of those things are not my fault. However, I have the capacity to do something about it. And that's why it becomes something that's so empowering. So I know that because I've worked with people on this, they feel a similar way where it's like, oh, that compassion, that's not what I need. I need discipline to reach my goals, right? And what compassion does is it aids self-regulation. So it's actually kind of like the secret to the discipline that you're looking for. Because if you think about it, every time you told yourself you'll be more disciplined, does that actually lead you anywhere helpful? Not really, right? We just tell ourselves, oh, okay, I messed up my diet this week. I'll be more disciplined next week. That's vague. That doesn't tell you what you can do differently. And what happens when we're very self-critical is that we don't want to reflect on what went wrong because it's too hard because we just beat ourselves up about it. We don't learn anything because we're too busy putting ourselves down. So we avoid that self-reflection that is necessary for making changes. Whereas a self-compassionate person can say, oh, you know, when I make these food choices, it doesn't make me feel good. And when I'm doing this, it's not aligned with my goals. So I wonder, I'm curious, why am I making these choices? What is it that's leading me to overeat on the weekend when I know that it's really important for me to eat well? What is going on here? Like, I'm really curious. And then that gives you so much more insight. You discover, for example, that maybe the weekends are your one opportunity to feel like you can relax and restore and food comes into that. And it's about, okay, if that's my need, I have this need for relaxation. 
how can I get that from other areas, right? We, we start learning and discovering new ways of supporting ourselves. So what compassion is really about is having the courage to face the things that you're struggling with, to be honest with yourself, having the wisdom to know what would be helpful in the situation, to know that if I continue making these choices, that's not leading me anywhere helpful in the long run. And it's about having the care and the commitment to follow through on those things. So that's what compassion is really about. And that's why it's now the foundation of my coaching, because it's the necessary part that so many people are missing. And it's so hard to achieve that by ourselves. That makes sense. Now, in from my perspective, one of the reasons why um, somebody might get stuck in what you call cycles, like the cycle of telling yourself, I'm just going to try and harder next time, I'm going to be more disciplined, as you said, or the cycle of tightly controlling body composition by uh, tracking your macros obsessively uh, and um, always stepping on the scale every single day and letting your mood be dictated by what number you see. So the reason for these cycles is, at least in part, the fact that we strongly believe that that is what's going to get you results. So trying anything else seems like aiming for less and therefore basically resigning yourself to achieving less. Now, if somebody is even at least subconsciously stuck in this kind of mindset, how would you suggest that they take a step towards considering other approaches, like a more compassion-based approach or a more... Um, an approach where you focus on living your life and you can still have physicals, but they're not going to be as all consuming as they may be right now, because that can feel really scary. Like taking that step can feel extremely difficult. So how would you advise somebody do that? Absolutely. I think it's about recognizing that by no means am I giving up on my goal. I can actually see through this self-awareness and the self-reflection that what I'm doing right now isn't effective in both cases. So let's say this person who is willing themselves to eat better through discipline and trying harder. Okay, let's give that a go for a few weeks. Have there been any changes? No. You can see when you look at that, that it's not helpful. So it's about saying, I do have this desire to treat my body better, to eat better, right? I've got that. And now I'm thinking about more effective ways to achieve that. And the same thing with the tightly controlling your physique and obsessing about the scale and what you're eating. Is that actually adding to your life? On the whole, in some ways it can, because you feel like you're making progress, you get positive feelings when you restrict, you get positive feelings when you see the scale go down or go up, depending on your goals, right? It feels like you're making progress, so there are some benefits, and yet, when you're honest with yourself, you can also see that there are a lot of downsides. So again, the compassionate perspective is, what can I do that's going to be the most helpful? How can I get this sense of self-confidence that I'm hoping for from controlling my body composition? How can I get that in other ways that doesn't involve letting go of the goal, but actually getting closer to the goal? Because right now, if you're tightly controlling everything, you probably don't actually feel that confident in your body, right? Because you don't trust it. You have to rely on these external measures to guide what you're eating. You don't trust your body or, or yourself. And even if you 
have this body composition that you're like, no, I do like how I look. You're probably so anxious to lose that, right? Because now your worth depends on the maintaining that body composition, which is when you get into those restrictive habits. So if you're honest with yourself, you can see that there are some downsides and it's probably not serving you in the long run. So again, the compassionate perspective is, okay, what is going to be helpful? And how can I get to this place where I know that my worth doesn't depend on looking a certain way? I can feel comfortable in my body without the obsession. I can still enjoy and set goals from a place of enhancing my life because I like the challenge. I like the growth not from a place of I need to fix myself or I need to prove myself because those are two very different motivations and it's entirely possible to still chase challenge and growth because it makes your life better not because you don't like how you feel about yourself without these things and that's the difference so not we're not changing goals we're changing motivation so we're changing our reason for pursuing these goals so it no longer comes from this place of I'm not good enough and I need to fix myself it's coming from a place of actually I just want more for myself because I can I have this capacity and sometimes the goal will look different depending on where you're coming from and how this goal is affecting you other times the goal looks the same but the way that you approach it is different so again if you're currently unhappy in your body and maybe your health is being effective maybe you do want some more energy to um, again go out and live your life you want to feel healthier and stronger okay maybe your goal's the same in that you want to improve your nutrition but the way you go about it will be different because it's not from this place of oh I'll just try harder and I'll cut everything out and I'll be super disciplined it's no okay what do I want food to do for me I want to meet my basic needs which means I am going to be thinking about protein I am going to be thinking about my micronutrients and maybe I'll be thinking about my carbohydrates and my performance in the goal how can I adapt my nutrition to suit my training but I also want it to support my life which means that I'm not going to be stressing about these social events I'm going to see that as a normal part of my routine and a part of a healthy lifestyle I'm not going to be micromanaging everything because I can learn how to trust my body like so you can see how you go about it in a different way but the goal is still the same in that we're improving things we're working on progression and growth and that's perfectly normal in fact our lives are better when we're moving towards something so we don't want to just become you know complacent and give up on all of our goals because that wouldn't be helpful either so that's really what the compassionate perspective is it's becoming the most helpful version of yourself that cares about yourself enough to do something about it not to keep repeating old unhelpful cycles that are making you feel worse because that wouldn't be a compassionate thing to do Yep, that's fair enough. Now, so far, we've always talked about the goal, particularly as it pertains to physique pursuits, as if the goal is appropriate. And you briefly mentioned that most people don't have a certain physique because their lifestyle doesn't fit the requirements of a lifestyle um, that would lead to having that physique. Now, having said that, I don't think that is the only factor. Sometimes the physique goal is also an inappropriate goal to have because of the standards that have been imposed upon us to look upon. As in what I'm saying is that in the fitness industry now, the the, the physique that a lot of people aspire to is either, in, either limited 
to it's either achievable only via performance enhancing drugs or it's only achievable naturally for people who have a really good genetics the 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 ability to engage in the lifestyle that's required and that rules out the majority of the population you actually made a post on this titled here's how the fitness industry makes money off of you so i think it would be really interesting if you could speak about these standards that the fitness the fitness industry is um popularizing yeah absolutely so this isn't to say this applies to everyone working in the fitness industry, but what we do see the majority of the time is that we're being sold this ideal body that is very muscular, very lean, and with that, the promise of feeling confident and happy in ourselves. And that is not what confidence or happiness actually is. And in fact, oftentimes we sign up for the coaching, we buy the program, it's not helpful. We can't stick to it. And what do we do? We blame ourselves. And then because we still feel shit, eventually we promise ourselves we're going to try harder and we sign back up and we're stuck in that same cycle. And now you have become a repeat customer, which is the most profitable kind for a business to have, which means that you have bought into this idea that this is going to be the solution and you're going to keep trying at it, even though it's not working because you don't have any other alternative. So it's so right that oftentimes these physiques that we're sold are unattainable for many of us, either because they're very extreme and in actual fact, statistically speaking, the majority of people who use steroids are using them to enhance their appearance, not for sports performance. Sometimes that comes in because that is a benefit of taking steroids, but the majority of steroid users are doing it purely to enhance their muscularity for physique purposes. And what we also find is that the line between what's natural and what's not natural is very blurry which means you can take just enough steroids to get the advantage without coming across as so obviously on steroids right because no one wants to really admit that they're um, taking something that's like a supplement that's going to help with that but for the average person, it then becomes very confusing why they don't have the same level of muscularity or leanness, and it makes them feel like their body is in, insufficient, right? It's not good enough because it's not that without really realizing the implications of taking steroids, the harms associated with that. And then again, we're bad, feeling bad about ourselves because we're not matching up to these standards. And yet, if you poke your head outside of the fitness industry, you will notice that most people in real life don't look like that. It's very normal. We've learned that normal parts of our bodies are wrong. Like it's wrong to have scars or cellulite or to have average levels of body fat that can still be quite healthy. And we don't often think about the dangers of being under under fat, right? And being underweight. Um, so I think that's really important to get critical about the standards that you're holding yourself to um, and also realizing that your perception of yourself usually isn't accurate. So we'll be looking at these photos that are probably heavily edited, taken at the most opportune time, you know, when there's minimal bloating involved and very 
advantage, advantageous lighting and so on, posing and flexing, only posting our best photos. That's what we see. And then thanks to the availability heuristic, we think that everyone looks like that. And that's the normal standard. And there's something wrong with us that we can't achieve that. And as you quite rightly said, for some of us, what we would have to do to achieve that body and to maintain it is not conducive to living our healthiest and happiest lives in that maybe we don't want to be training multiple times a day or so many times in a week we don't have the spare time to be dedicating to that when what we're comparing ourselves to are maybe fitness professionals who make money off of looking a certain way whose career involves them going to the gym and maintaining this body a lot of them don't have kids as well right and we're holding ourselves to these standards thinking oh there's something wrong with me that I can't do this whereas what we're not doing is appreciating a very diverse range of appearances and I think that's the problem with these appearance ideals is that we're sold this idea that the only way to feel good about your body is if you fit this very narrow definition of what it means to be attractive rather than thinking about beauty more broadly and also other components of attractiveness because we've all probably met someone in our lives who looks physically attractive and then we get to know them we're like oh hell no like we'd never go near that person right and we've probably met people who we love to be around for reasons that have nothing to do with how they look so we again we know intuitively when we reflect on our own experiences we know that attractive people are they have more to them than just how they look and having an attractive body is not the be all and end all and what we need to I think really distinguish is between what do I want for my life and who do I want to be and does the way that I'm treating myself really align with that because we all know that at the end of the day when we're on our deathbeds, no one's going to be talking about us. Oh, what a shame that he's gone now. He had such great abs, you know? <laughs> we know that that's not true. It's going to be, oh, I really missed him because he was such a fun person to be around and he was always there for me and we had so many great memories, right? Those are the things that matter. And we know that, but we don't always live like that is true. So it's about moving towards this place where, yes, I treat myself well and I do make healthy food choices the majority of the time. I love my training and I do it because I enjoy it and I like the progression and I have room in my life for the things that really matter, which are my relationships, my experiences, my life goals, you know, having all of that in one um, and holding all of that at once. So that's kind of, again, where these physique goal oriented packages really serve us um, quite short. Thank you and uh, as a fitness professional I also want to say that I'm not throwing the fitness industry as a whole under the bus because circling back to the title of your post here's how the fitness industry makes money off of you. On the flip side as again I am a fitness professional and I use social media um, which is where the fitness industry shares their message for my business. And I feel the pressure of having to show people the way that I look because the fitness industry makes money off of that and I need to run a business. So yes, there are 
fitness professionals, like in every profession, there are crooks, right? There are people who are legitimately trying to scam people out of their money, and that's unfortunate. But there are also a lot of coaches who have good intentions, who feel the pressure of having to use their physique and therefore having to further these uh, physique-oriented ideals because otherwise they wouldn't get traction and they wouldn't be able to run their business. Yeah, yeah. And I've certainly heard that so many times because I work with a lot of coaches as well. And that is something that they say is that I do want to move my business away from purely focusing on the physique, but it feels like that's what people want. And now I'm stuck in this position because I don't really want to contribute to the harmful side. I do want to help people, but I also need to run a business. I also need to pay the bills. And what we really work on is challenging that idea that you have to show your body in order to get clients, right? Because if selling physique transformations and using your body as part of that or even like before and after testimonials if that's the only way that you can get clients the reality of that is either your coaching's not that good or your marketing's not that good and Mm -hmm. both of those things can be solved in that we respect our needs to, to earn money and pay the bills and our desires to help people. And we're also not anti-fat loss, anti-physique transformation ever, right? We're not in that camp either, but doing it in a way that's helpful. And that really challenges us to get better at marketing that doesn't rely solely on these pain points to get better at helping people to achieve these real transformations like the meaningful kinds that aren't just surface level but really are like life-changing transformations when we get to that point it becomes easier then to rely less on using our bodies or using other fat loss results to sell our services because we can see the real difference that we can take people through and sometimes that speaks for itself but also you'll learn other ways of speaking about services too so Absolutely. I completely understand that it's not as simple as, oh, okay, I just won't talk about physique changes ever. It's about learning how to really sell yourself and your services without contributing to some of the harm. Because like you say, there's so many coaches who also have really great intentions and maybe just don't know how else to, to promote themselves. That's true. And the reason why I brought this up is because Dear listeners, you may not be in the fitness industry. You may not, may not be in my place, in the place of a professional. So I don't want you to think that the fitness industry, the, the people who make up the fitness industry are all crooks that are trying to ruin your relationship with food and your body image. This harms us just as much as it harms you. And that is the whole reason why I brought up this particular point. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on coaches to look the part as well, because there is this expectation that, well, if he looks good, he could help me look good, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of people say, well, who wants a fat personal trainer? You know, so a lot of coaches working in the industry will struggle with their own pressures. And I have friends doing research in this area where we do see very high rates of disordered eating amongst fitness professionals because they need to look a certain way in their minds. They need to look a certain way in order to run their business. So that is something to be very mindful of as well, is that just because someone looks the part doesn't mean one that they can actually help and that they can help you achieve because that's a separate skill set but also it doesn't mean that they're happy in themselves either 
because there is a lot of disordered practices going on in the industry. And that is one myth that's really worth busting is if someone looks fit, like our idea of what fit looks like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not struggling as well. And that's something that I think needs to be, people need to be more aware of. That's what we see with muscle dysmorphia, with these guys who are very muscular and actually still don't like how they look because it's a perception thing and it's a self-worth thing. So that's just, again, just a something to be mindful of when you're maybe looking at posts online and comparing yourself to these physiques is that you don't know what that person is experiencing just from base, you know, judging that on based on their appearance. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the reasons why many of us are led to believe that achieving a certain physique is going to result in happiness is that nobody has ever captioned the best picture of themselves with I feel like shit about myself looking like this today. So nobody ever thinks, I wonder if that person is happy. We see the the picture of them looking incredible. And so without even reading the caption, we think, wow, that person has it all because they have that physique. Whereas, as you've just said, that person might be struggling with body dysmorphia or muscle dysmorphia just as much as they were when they had less muscle and carried more body fat. Yeah. And sometimes what we'll find is that the way that we feel about ourselves get worse as our bodies objectively get more attractive. Right. So you see this a lot with um, physique competitors. They'll say like at their stage lean condition, they felt so bad about their bodies. And that's because so much energy has been focused on that, that you're placing all of your eggs in one basket, which makes it a very vulnerable position to be. And you'll have friends and family be like, what are you talking about? You're in great shape, you know, and that person still doesn't feel like that is true. So it just really does go to show that we can't judge that by based on appearances and that sometimes moving towards that can actually make us feel worse about ourselves because that's an internal thing, not an external thing. Yeah, I can speak on that myself. I haven't competed, but I did do two photo shoots. And for the second one, I got to the leanest point that I've ever been able to get to. And that's why I uh, frequently talk about Spixman theory about the um, dual Uh, intervention points whereby once you get below your lower intervention point for body fat so when you get below the range in which you the body fat range in which your body in quotes thrives in which it feels good then there is not only a physiological response to that that's trying to push you back towards that range there's also a psychological response where you feel less and less good about yourself and you pick your physique apart because your body is basically in an alarmed state where it's trying to tell you, we need more body fat, we're not feeling good. And that, for some reason, translates into, among other, let's call them symptoms, um, an increased criticism, an increased uh, incidence of self-criticism. And when I was that lean, I could see my abs all the time. And I still felt like I wasn't muscular enough. I needed to get leaner. 
uh, or um, I was worried about regaining weight. I was worried about losing more weight because I was like, I'm already too small. What if I lose muscle while getting leaner? And I knew that it was my choice to get that lean. And going into it, I was aware that it would result in those behaviors if I got to that um, extreme level of leanness. And I also knew that for that reason, if I got to that level, I needed to reverse back out and increase my body fat level again. And I think that a lot of people aren't aware of the potential consequences that a certain level of leanness can bring and they might even achieve it and then feel stuck in these cycles that we were talking about of disordered eating, uh, tightly controlling your, your body composition, avoiding social events because you're afraid of not being able to eat anything because it's not on your list of foods and you can't track the macros. Um, and that's then the reason is that you are at a body composition that's too extreme, not in general. When people use the word extreme body composition, I also think they, um, they're thinking about this general standard for extre ex extremeness. And I don't think there is a general standard. To me, extreme means that, you're, it, that, that body composition forces you to live a lifestyle that you don't enjoy. Yeah, completely agree. And that's why I think it's really important to focus on the lifestyle more than the body composition, because typically for most people, when they're focused on living a lifestyle that they enjoy, that supports their health, that supports their goals, their body composition will fall into place. I don't think we reach that point of like the, the happy middle ground by focusing only on that, because as you say, you can know logically, all right it's a bit risky and you know I could be slipping into disordered eating but you'll still do it and then you'll get stuck in that place and you'll still as you quite mentioned just there I still got the urge to get a little bit leaner like even though you know it's keeping you stuck you still have that urge and it can be very difficult to pull yourself back out of that so that's why I would always recommend working on your true self-confidence first focusing on your lifestyles focusing on your values and the kind of person that you want to be and then letting your body composition fall into place because if you're eating well you're training hard how bad are you going to look really it might not be the leanest physique of your life but that probably won't be your happiest so if you're yes. focusing on living your best life and you are a healthy person you're going to fall into a healthy body weight range so why not why what would be the downside of taking that approach as opposed to one that's hyper focused on looking good and much more riskier and probably going to like I think what people don't appreciate is that it can make you feel worse about yourself it's not just that okay I'm gonna have this disordered eating and you know and I, I might have to think a little bit extra about what to eat but what if the way that you felt now got worse like that's not something that anyone wants so why would you again go down that route it's because it feels very appealing and it's almost like okay understand logically that's a risk but it won't happen to me and no this is the solution for me like this will make me feel better you know we fall into those um sort of patterns of thinking so really just asking yourself that question well what's the harm in focusing on true self-confidence focusing on my lifestyle my values the person I want to be enjoying my training and then seeing what happens to my body composition. What would be the harm from that? And as you bring up lifestyle, and I brought up my own photo shoot, so a distinction I also want to make that I don't think people make very often is that 
bodybuilding is becoming more and more popular. And so some of these body ideals that we've developed come from the bodybuilding world. And I don't think that people outside of bodybuilding circles quite understands that the physique that one achieves for a photo shoot or a bodybuilding competition is not a lifestyle physique. It's a one-off physique for the purpose of the competition or the purpose of the photo shoot. And because it's so easy to conflate that one-off physique with the ideal body that one should walk around in every single day, then people don't realize that their lifestyle physique is likely never going to look like that extra lean, extra muscular physique. And But also, um, that is to say, there is no nothing wrong, in my opinion, in wanting to achieve that extreme level of leanness. I mean, I did it. If I were to say, ah, it's wrong to do that, I mean, then you could say, why the fuck did you do it? Then the thing is, you the understanding, what's important is the uh, is to know that you're doing that to look a certain way on the day you're taking the photos or on the day you're stepping on stage. The rest of the year, if that physique is too extreme for you, you can't be look like that. Yeah. And then if you're not working in the industry and you don't need like a photo shoot and if you're not a competitive bodybuilder, what is the point in chasing that physique if it's not a lifestyle physique, right? Because you're going to put all exactly. that time and energy. There's going to be no outcome in the sense that you don't do a competition. There's no day, you know, there's no deadline for that. And then again, it's that cycle of, well, now I feel bad about the fact that I couldn't maintain it. And what's unique, I think, about bodybuilding is that unlike most sports, there's not truly an off-season. Like we call it off-season, but what are you focused on in your off-season? Building muscle. You know, you're still working towards something. So it, the bodybuilding sport is actually like a lifestyle in itself in that yes. it has to be your whole life in order to make progress and to maintain and to change your physique in the ways that you desire. And again, for most people who aren't athletes, that isn't conducive to being the happiest version of themselves because for many of us, we have other jobs that we're focusing on. We do want to be able to do normal things like just eat like a normal person and go out and enjoy our meals. Right. So really thinking about, okay, what do I want from my life? Not what do I think I need to do? And then taking that approach because only, you know, what really makes you happy Right. And most of us find, as I say, that that doesn't come with a certain level of leanness. And sometimes mm. that detracts from our happiness. So really focusing on what's important to us. I definitely agree that the pursuit of bodybuilding becomes a lifestyle. And I agree with what you said, that you want to think about what's going to make what what kind of behaviors are going to to make up a lifestyle that I enjoy, and then your body composition is going to fall uh, in in a in a certain place depending on those behaviors. Having said that, if you're passionate about bodybuilding, even as a non-competitor, as I said, I don't compete. I love the pursuit of bodybuilding. That kind of lifestyle is exactly what I personally enjoy. Now. There's nothing wrong with wanting to pursue that, in my opinion, as long as your, your um, 
how do I want to say this? You are setting up your bodybuilding lifestyle, still using the parameter of what kind of behaviors are going to add to my life rather than detract from it, as opposed to setting up your bodybuilding lifestyle exactly the way that a pro-competitive bodybuilder would when you're not a pro-competitive bodybuilder. I don't know if that makes sense, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like thinking about basing your decisions on what's best for you and what works well for you, not based on what other people are doing and what you think you should be doing. I would also say as well, really being honest with yourself about what your motives are. You know, am I genuinely interested in how we can manipulate our muscle mass and sculpt a physique? It's almost like art in a sense for some people, right? Mm -hmm. Are you really interested and passionate about that? And do you love all the nuances in of training and, and moving your body in a certain way and progressing and you like that detail if you too awesome you know that's that's your motive is because it's intrinsically enjoyable and fulfilling that again is different from someone who's like I don't like how I look and I need to feel better about myself I need to prove myself by looking good that is a different motive even if it looks the same in terms of you exercise in similar ways and you do the training you know and so on really being honest with yourself about what my motive is and if your motive for changing your body composition is primarily about feeling better about yourself that is the risky point right whereas if you're genuinely interested in the sport even if you're not a competitor like you can still appreciate the sport right and the um, progression and so on and you're not comparing yourself to what other people are doing then that is likely to be a more fulfilling way to train and to, to spend your time so again thinking about what's my motive here and if I don't feel good about myself as I am how can I work on that and that's not a surface level physique change that again is an internal building that self-confidence and that self-assurance um which you know we could go into how to do that but that would be a whole other podcast but knowing that okay just scratching the surface isn't going to change how I feel about myself so if that's the problem that's the problem I need to solve first then I can be focusing on where do I want to go from here that, yes, that's perfect. And the, it, that is an excellent way to end this conversation, Shannon. I'm conscious of the time since you've already been quite generous with it. And uh, so thank you again for being on the podcast. Now, I want to make sure that if somebody's listening and they want to contact you, connect with you or sign up to work with you, they know where to find you. So please let the audience know and then I'll put everything in the show notes as well. For sure. So if you're interested in like the discussion that we had today, and if you do want to learn how to build your self-confidence and feel good in your body, then I also have a podcast, which is called Consilience. So I chat with experts on these topics. But if you want to get in touch with me, then probably Instagram is the best place. You can just send me a message over there. And that is at Coach Shannon Beer. Perfect. I listen to Consilience all the time, by the way. That's excellent. An excellent podcast recommendation, dear listeners. Obviously, my podcast is the best in the world. We all know that. But Shannon's is, is very good as well. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, dear listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and for gifting both of us, both me and Shannon, with some of your time. Thank you, Shannon, for coming on. And until next time. Lastly, 
if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.